This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.co.uk for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get the chance to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders on the planet. On today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Giorgio Daboni, who is the former CEO of Generali Worldwide. Welcome to the show, Giorgio. Thank you, Nick. It's great to have you join us today and to give the listeners a little bit of background. Giorgio was the CEO of Generali Worldwide up until its recent sale to Upmost Worldwide for, for a figure of 409 million euros. So it could be a really interesting conversation to, to talk about that sale. But first of all, if you could just give us a bit of a, an insight into your background. I know you had a 40-year career at, at Generali overall. So maybe you could start off by giving us a bit of an insight into that. Yeah, by all means. Um, I joined Generali in 1980, 1st of March 1980. And after a short period of training in Italy, I was posted to the London office in the UK branch of the company, where I grew up in the underwriting room to eventually become the, the chief underwriter in 1993. I spent some more years there and uh, was also head of risk management for a time. And then uh, in 2002, there was a change of strategy in generally. The London office was changing its brief and I was offered the possibility of going back to Italy. I wanted to stay in the UK, so I committed what I sometimes refer to as the cardinal sin of leaving Generali at the time, <laughs> and joined PwC as a consultant and worked there for some three years. To then find that Generali offered me to join the group again, this time in Europe Assistance, uh, the UK arm of Europe Assistance, which is part of the Generali group. Yeah. I did that in 2005, and I spent some four and a half years there, wonderful years there. From there, I went back into the main company in Generali to open up the, the health portfolio in London, a medical portfolio for Spartiate in particular. And um, after a year or so in London, I was eventually asked to lead, up, lead the, the operation in Guernsey from June 2012 until the company was sold by Generali in 2000, between 2018 and 2019. And I had agreed with the new owners to stay on and see the transition through before my retirement, which took place at the end of April this year. Great. So incredible to have such a, a long and distinguished career at, at one company like that, starting on the, the 1st of March in 1980. And here we are in, in 2020 now. Giorgio, how, how did you find that period, navigating your way through one company, obviously you worked in a variety of roles there. What do you think was the key to that success? Well, I think it's it's been a, a long journey. I've had the opportunity to work in life, non-life, personal lines, commercial, mostly reinsurance in the London market in the, in the 80s. And I think I've been lucky enough to enjoy some of the, the best year of the London market in the, in the 80s. I've seen the changes in the early 90s. We've gone through the, you know, the market 
difficult times of the early 90s. I've, I've seen a lot. And then moved away from, from London in a consulting role. You know, I've, I've had the opportunity of seeing what other companies were doing. It, it's quite a different, you know, when you work in the same company for a long time, you are used to think in one way. Oh. And, you know, I regretted the fact that I didn't work as a consultant or in a consultancy operation or before I joined my company because I, I've had an opening to other ways of doing business that obviously didn't have when working always with the same company. Yeah. But uh, that helped me, you know, in the, few, in, the, in, the, in the next steps of my career. I left PwC to rejoin the, the group in Europa Assistance, where I thoroughly enjoyed my four years. It was a very different type of business we did. A lot of it was obviously travel. Travel brings with it assistance, and assistance had the great, should I say, thrill of being able to do things that you could immediately see the result of. In insurance, you issue a policy, nothing may happen. You don't know what's going to happen. In assistance, you you know, we had instances of people in the most incredible, incredibly difficult circumstances being beaten by a, by a viper in the jungle in Thailand. You have to take yeah. them out. You bring them to the hospital in Bangkok, you save their life. And you, you feel this sense of satisfaction that you've done something really, you know, immediate, uh, of immediate value. Um, so much so that we used to receive a lot of letters of, of, of you know, congratulations, and yeah, we were very proud of the of the of the the letters we used to receive from from customers, which is very unusual in insurance. You generally receive complaints, but <laughs> in assistance, uh, it was very very different picture. From then on, I I moved on to return to Assicurazione Generali to to start off this medical expatriate business, which I literally started from a blank piece of paper. There was absolutely nothing, so I had to set up systems, organization, recruit the people, do the lot, and and start the portfolio, which uh, Again, was a new experience for me, having been through everything I mentioned, having been through also merger and acquisition as a buyer, helping our own team in that position. I I was asked to come and lead and lead the operation in in Guernsey, where there had been some problem with the regulator, where there had been some problem with the business, and so it was a question of turning over the company. Yeah, and that was again great experience, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Leading to the sale, I was sorry to leave the general world, but that was the way it was going to be. I think that would have been the only way you would have left Generali. Is, is that was, yes. yes. Generali meant a lot to me because, you know, it was literally home. Uh, home because it's Trieste-based. I was born in Trieste. I had a lot of friends in the company. I still have a number of very good friends working in the company. So it was really home in many, many respects. Great. It must have been mixed emotions then when you did sell the business. Well, on the day of completion, I was very emotional, I have to say. Yeah, I can um, imagine so. It's uh, something I will always remember. Yeah. And that, that whole process, you sort of said it sort of started out in 2018. How, how did you... Earlier than that, as far as I'm concerned, because mm. I was told by my then boss, you know, the plan was to eventually sell the company. There was a first bid. The company was not happy with it. And we moved on. Long story, but it was a very difficult period because obviously I was aware of certain things which I couldn't. I had to, to work with people. I refused to, to obviously 
tell them lies. I had to be, you know, but I couldn't be open completely. Mm. I couldn't say, but, you know, taking people through that period was very difficult because Mm. I wanted to give them motivation, continue to do business. There was no guarantee the company would be sold. You you have to sell, even if the company is sold, you have to sell the company in the best possible shape. So it was a big effort. I had two very good colleagues working with me and the three of us really managed most of the work for a long period of time. Eventually, we made the executive team aware under confidentiality, of course, of what was going on. And we managed, I think one of the achievements was to keep the the secret in inverted commas for a very long time. Nobody suspected that this was coming. Uh, certainly, uh, there was no, no rumor flying in the office, no you know, people may may have had questions in their mind as to where the company was going long term, but uh, there was no so we we managed to keep it undercover for a very long time, and that was to my mind fundamental to keep people motivated and and mm-hmm. continue to work on on our business. It must be an extremely challenging time for you to try and manage the well, it was very challenging because we had just come out of a of a difficult situation when I first joined here. Mm. There were a number of problems in the company, so particularly in terms of governance, in terms of compliance. So we come through some very difficult three years, four years, to be then told we're now selling the company, then you, know, you move into another sort of mode. Yeah. And uh, the whole period has been quite still. You know, uh, this, is, this is what I was there for, and I did what I had to do. Yeah, balancing those checks of keeping everybody motivated and, and yeah. pulling in the same direction whilst also yeah. knowing what, what was going on in the background yeah. is uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. really key there. Giorgio, thank you so much for, for that insight. I think it's really important our listeners hear about your background before we go into the, the main body of our interview today. So I think that was really, really interesting. Before we start off, you know, we like to ask our guests what, what their go-to coffee is in the morning. I'm particularly interested today, obviously having an, an Italian in the coffee house. So what's your go-to coffee of choice, Giorgio? Well, my answer might bring a big smile to you because I don't drink coffee. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I do occasionally indeed. And I used to have some decaffeinated coffee every day in the office, but uh, not so much. I enjoy my cup of tea. One of my directors here in, in Genzi referred to me as his, Italian, his, his British friend with an Italian accent. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've, having lived in the UK since 1980, I've taken on a lot of the British habits and tea is one. I enjoy my cup of tea. Quintessentially British, Giorgio. <laughs> very good, very good. Fantastic. So if, if we can start off, um, I'd like to ask you what, what you do on a, on a daily basis that helps set you up for a successful day. But I maintain certain habits of old, which is to get up early in the morning, think of the day ahead, read the papers, read the news, and then think of the things I want to do uh, during the course of the day. I am doing a little bit of work on the side with some of the old colleagues and some of the old friends. I'm working on a, two or three projects, uh, different, very different in nature. I've always been a, an early morning boy uh, with some obvious exception. I would be in the office very early mm. and enjoy being there in the early morning, prepare the day ahead. Never had lunch, just some fruit during the course of the day, or very occasionally some business lunches, but very occasionally. 
and otherwise carry on until sort of way past the closing time, quiet hours in the evening, we could do some more work. <laughs> Giorgio, we, we understand in order to be a successful insurance business leader, there's often some adversity to overcome along the way. So could I ask you, as well as your biggest achievement in your career, what would you also say has been the largest setback and how did you go about turning that situation around? I think that the 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 one from a purely professional perspective, the one thing I regret is that I was not able to move uh, the way we did business at, uh, at the Europa Assistance on the travel side because the, the way the market used to work was that you would quote net rates, leaving the tour operators to put their markup on. And obviously the prices you would give today for the year running at the moment you, people could be buying holiday, you know, in a, two years in advance. So you may have people traveling in two years' time with today prices with their markup. And clearly, by definition, travel, with the exception of cancellation, which is obviously uh, in the currency of the money you paid in the, the, the travel for pound sterling in our case, everything else in travel is 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 mostly um, medical expenses, particularly the U.S. That is dollars. And if you price today, you don't know how much the medical cost may be in two years' time. Sure. You may work out you know, in dollars how much they may be, but then large amount of dollars being paid could be an even much larger amount selling if the rate of exchange goes against you. Sure. So the, what I would have liked to do is to move to, towards online quoting so that you could change the, the change rate and therefore your prices or work on the exchange rate and change your prices on a, on a, almost on a daily basis if you want. Mm. At the time this discussion was taking place, Generali asked me back into the main company in Assicurazione Generali. So yeah, I didn't see that particular plan or project uh, coming home. Okay. So in, in terms of moving on from that, you were moving elsewhere into a business and it was a project that you couldn't complete? Yeah. I see. And in terms of moving on from that, is that something that you think it's a skill to actually park or some of those pieces of work that you've got planned, but you, you're moving into a different territory or different part of the business? Is it difficult to leave those plans behind? Yeah, it is. It is because you would like to see the, the result of your work. And mm. when, you, when you're working as an underwriter, my old boss in London used to say underwriting is a monastic experience because you do something, you you have to carry with you if you have a passion for your business, if you really feel for, for, for what you for what you do, then the risk you're taking today, you will not know for a very long period of time whether or not you know they they will be profitable or not as they sure. can And this is true of an individual risk and clearly even more so of a whole portfolio so yeah that, that is a challenge i think that a lot of insurance leaders face is certainly from an underwriting perspective seeing seeing those changes and, and seeing that performance level might be some sometime in the future when they're not involved or yeah. change and transformation as well introducing that technology yeah. it's often a few years later yeah. down the line that you see yeah. those see those yeah. benefits yeah Giorgio, we know that most insurance professionals fell into the industry I'd be really interested to know how you got into insurance at, at Generali. I know it was in your, your hometown. But then when did you realise you could be successful in the insurance sector? Well, how I, how I, joined, this in, how I joined Generali is, is 
very quickly said because my father was a, was an actuary, a professor at university. I took a degree in mathematics, as it were, but uh, I did applied mathematics. And Generali is the biggest employer in town in Trieste. So, you know, there was a bit of family tradition. There was a bit of an interest. There was a, an opportunity, and I joined uh, Generali. I wasn't quite sure how far this would bring me, take me rather. But when I joined the London office, I gradually found my way in the underwriting room. I spent a lot of time doing actuarial work, not being a, an actuary as such, but knowing you know, the, what reserving was all about and uh, working hard on uh, the management of the portfolio from a, a administration, counting and reserving particular perspective. I spent hours on end uh, looking at the business, uh, reviewing the, all the treaty business we used to do every every year. And I learned a lot from reading the numbers, if you see what mm. I mean. Um, mm. Something which became very useful when later on, when we started employing actuaries, I was helping them looking at the numbers, not just as numbers, but you know, with the benefit of the the knowledge of what the numbers mean what business is behind them. And this mm-hmm. has helped me a lot. And I think is a, is a, if, if there is a weakness in the, in the profession, in the underwriting profession, in my experience, many underwriters don't have a, a clear appreciation of the numbers, they see the development of the, of the numbers. They don't see the, the actuarial side, if you like, of mm-hmm. how numbers can be read and how a portfolio can develop, how claims can develop, what is yeah. an ultimate net loss that you can escape. So that's been a very important phase of my development. Yeah, I completely, completely see that. Giorgio, have you had a mentor to, during your time at Generali? And what did you learn from them? Yeah, I think the mentor, my big mentor was uh, Fabio Fegitz, who was the boss of the London office for very many years. Uh, he went on to become the managing director of the company, actually, of the whole company, of the whole group. Yeah. He was a, an incredible, I used to say, an incredible business machine, formidable knowledge, very well respected on the market. And uh, what I learned from him is that you have to do your homework, you have to work hard at it, and then be very decisive. Once you take a view, stick to it. That's great. Thank you. George, we've had a good look back across your career and now you've you're enjoying that semi-retirement after the sale of the business but if i can ask you now to have a look forward how do you see the insurance industry developing over the next three to five years and what do you think insurance business leaders should be doing to be more successful embrace change be closer to the the clients yeah Uh, you know there's a lot of talk about innovation i take the view that it's very difficult to innovate uh, what you do in insurance, but there is a lot of room to innovate how you do it. Mm. Um, so be closer to the clients, provide technological assistance and the household risks to the to the motor risks, the black boxes and whatever you, you know, yeah. there's a lot that can be done to be closer to, to the client. Assistance services, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, there is an older, an older population, they will require assistance. Mm. And that's, those are the areas in which I think the insurance industry should be moving into. So that innovation targeted towards the customer and how you actually yeah. provide that insurance rather than what you're... Of course, these days we have the benefit of more and more you know, data mining, data management that should help. And again, you know, it's, it's something, an asset that people should be 
very conscious of and take advantage of. Fantastic. Giorgio, we'll now go through to the espresso round. Short, sharp, and the questions are straight to the point. I know you don't drink coffee, <laughs> but are you ready for the espresso round? I am. I enjoy the, the espresso from time to time, I can assure you. <laughs> Good to hear. Good to hear. The espresso round. Giorgio, what's your favorite success quote? There is no success without sacrifice. Having said that, sacrifice doesn't warrant uh, success. Um, I'm reminded of a sentence by Seneca, the Latin author, that said that good luck does not exist. There exists a time when opportunity and talent get together. Love that. I absolutely love that. I'm writing that one down, Giorgio. That'd be good. Giorgio, what is the number one thing you see holding insurance professionals back from being more successful? I want to be, for once, a bit controversial here. I think there is a lack of passion. People are a bit sleepy. You know, they join the insurance profession as you know, some somewhere where there is a salary, uh, some work, a job uh, mm. to attend. Uh, to there isn't a there isn't a real desire to make the business thrive and uh, understand the value that we bring to the society in mm. terms of protection, in terms of promises we we we, we do to to people, delivering the promises of you know protections. It's very important. Do you, do you think that comes from the that lack of understanding of the value that that we're giving back to? Yeah, and also sadly the 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 fame that the insurance industry has built over the years, of, you know, being people that never pay the claim when it comes to it, uh, mm. which is not true, of course. Mm. But that is probably shading a, a poor light on the industry, yeah. which is not deserved. But that's the way it is. Mm, thank you. How did you drive forward the standards of the insurance industry at your time at Generali? We certainly worked a lot on customer simplicity, which is one of the points I was making earlier. So a lot of efforts has been done in that area, particularly over the last few years. And uh, you know some of the values that we wanted to make sure that were embodied into the, the work, to the staff, into the everyday's work, are fundamental in the industry. Trust is fundamental. You have to deliver it on the promises you make to people. Yeah. In insurance policy is a promise. So yeah, a lot of it was very much sort of uh, centering on the on the on the customers. And what did you do in terms of developing talent at Generali? Well, in the more most recent times since two thousand and twelve. 13 or around the period of time, we we had a number of leadership courses where people were uh, encouraged to to join and network among themselves to learn from each other's experiences. Um, I think they were very successful. People enjoyed participating in them, and I think what was particularly good was that there was a a two-tier system whereby you had one course for the more senior people, but one for the for the next generation of, of leaders. So they grew up together, learning some of the experiences of the, mm. of the, mm. of the senior people. And I think that worked very well. And in terms of the business, obviously a huge Italian business, you yourself being Italian, although our, our English magic is, has worked on you. <laughs> <laughs> quintessentially English these days. But how do you think people feel in terms of 
developing a career if they're based in the UK do they feel they've got that opportunity to progress or is there always a thought that actually someone from Italy will be parachuted over into a senior role? No, no I think the, the company always had a very open uh, approach to you know uh, we've had senior managers starting from the chairman we, uh, for a period of time we had a French chairman and we've had senior people in the high ranks of generali coming from different parts of the world so yeah there is no i think my i am a believer in meritocracy how much mm-hmm. a company can you know say that they that they practice it is a yeah. different matter but yeah it should be merit yeah that's that's for sure and i think that's very important for for leaders when they're at a firm that they know they've got an equal chance just as good a chance as anybody just to bring us to the end of the espresso round you woke up tomorrow morning with all of the knowledge and experience you have now but but your company wasn't there a bit like the the situation at the moment but how would you go about starting your career again with all of that knowledge that you had i like to think that i'd be doing very much the same things um, you know i've done or i would have the same attitude shall we say the one thing i would probably work on is being uh shall we say more open to to the rest of the, the market i i think we were very insular for a long period of time in generally thinking we are the generality yeah fair enough we were very proud of being the company we were and we had our own way of doing things etc which is fair enough um i think i was i'm i'm, I'm proud of what we did etc but at the same time, uh, you know, it's helpful to, to see what happens around you and not that you have to follow everybody else. Um, but, yeah, you can set a benchmark. And... Giorgio, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Before we finish, can I just ask for your one, one final piece of closing advice and how do the listeners go about contacting you after the show? Well, the, the simple advice to, to people who would care to, to listen uh, is you know make sure that you work with passion at what you do, and the, the results will, will definitely come about, come about. Uh, be delighted if anybody wants to contact me. Uh, my preferred contact would be my email, which is Giorgio dot Daboni at me dot com. Fantastic. Now to our listeners out there, we will of course be putting. Giorgio's email on our show notes so you can click straight through to that and drop Giorgio a line. Giorgio, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Nick. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you. I'm sure our listeners would have gained a lot of insight from you. And no matter where they're based, whether they're in the UK or or over in Italy or or elsewhere in Europe, I'm sure they would have gained a lot of valuable insights about working for such a large business like Generali and navigating yourself around the business there so thank you so much to our listeners out there if you did enjoy the show today please do leave us a review on your podcast app and make sure that you download and subscribe to the show so that you receive each of our episodes directly into your inbox each week until next time i've been nick hoadley and this has been the insurance coffee house You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.